0: Welcome to the Self-Care Savage podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. If you haven't already, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and take a quick second to give the podcast a rating and a review. That's how we grow and reach more people to spread the message. Hey guys, happy holidays and I am so looking forward to 2024 and on today's episode, so we recorded some of our uh, favorite moments from episodes with guests from 2023, so hope you enjoy this episode. And here's some clips from Shelby Stanger and episode 22. To your point, you talk about people when they're done, kind of what you do after that. And 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 I think there's a there is like anything else you have to be in a mental state to be ready and take care of yourself. Um, it's hard
4: and it's a never-ending it journey. Is. You know, you kind of mentioned how I wrote this book and it was an untraditional kind of idea. It was a little challenging to sell the idea, but I am not a huge reader like you. I'd rather be outside adventuring. And so I wanted to write a book that was easy to read, that had a lot of different types of adventures. So people could relate from, you know, a 55 year old who started really getting into adventure in her fifties and became an ice climbing guide at age 55 after, you know, being a mom to, you know, twins who are young and paddled from Alaska to um, San Diego, actually all the way to the border of Mexico and San Diego on paddle boards. To you know, the first outdoor drag queen, um, a body positive r- runner, my own story, and everything yeah. in between. And I wanted people to also have, if they were already read the book once, or they just wanted to get quick tidbits. At the end, there's just like advice on kind of what to do. And I'm not an expert. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I've just interviewed a ton of people who are a lot like me, and you know, adventure has helped them in their life, whether they need to make a change or maybe it's like change a habit. Maybe it's change a relationship, change a job. Adventure for me has always been a good catalyst to develop the courage to then make that change off the trail in life. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when we do an adventure, if sometimes we set out, we prepare, something like the AT, which is really hard, takes a lot of prep, takes a lot of mental energy, takes financial energy, everything. And sometimes it doesn't always go as planned. I mean, that <laughs> no. is what an adventure is. When it doesn't go as planned, even Yvonne Schnard says, like, it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. But that's where we grow and that's where we learn. And sometimes the best parts of ourselves developed. It's not easy. But when you're in nature, you do get these wonderful metaphors that you can apply to your life. I think, in some ways, the reason why I like adventuring in nature as a catalyst to change is because when you do an adventure in nature, it sort of tricks you into being present and almost meditating. You know, try and surf a wave, climb a rock, and you have to pay attention. You have to focus or you'll fall. Even when you're hiking for long distances. You know, you kind of have to get into a flow state or a meditative state. Yes, you're talking I about you don't mean that. to. Also, I think there's so many great things in nature. You know, nature doesn't really care how much money is in our bank account, who we are, what we look like, what our political views are. It's kind of a great equalizer.
0: These clips from episode 31 with the Mellon Boys, Aiden and Nathaniel.
2: So... We're parked in the car and then Ethaniel he looks at me and he's, he's he has your post pulled up and he's like,
5: Do you wanna go find this guy and,
2: and make him a burger?
5: Yeah, yeah. It, it was like um it was it was one of the self care savage up reels and it was like I don't know, it was something about your post, Scott, that was really inspirational. Um it was just I mean it was it was some guy walking <laughs> on social media. I'm like, I've never seen this before. It's like some guy who's randomly walking and you said something, I can't remember it, but you said something that just hit me to the core. And I was like, wow, this, oh, oh, you said "You said protect your peace. Okay. And I was like, wow, we live in a world that has so much, you know, division between politics and beliefs and all this nowadays. And uh, that social media post, just, I was scrolling through and then I, I saw that one. And I was like, wow, there's so much truth that rings in this, protect your peace. Like that's something that you guard from other people and you protect that. And then out of that comes this joy that you can share with people. And I was like, well, we it was an eight-day road trip from Florida and we were on day five and we were already in Tennessee. We are like, we could straight shot to Ohio in eight hours. What are we going to do for three days? And then we were like, you know what?
6: Let's go find Scott.
5: <laughs> Let's go find Scott and make him a burger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we didn't really have much preparation i mean we did we went to the store we spent like 80 bucks um we got a whole bunch of hamburgers um we got all the fixings tomato onions cheese. i mean we were thinking this guy's been on the trail for two three months bacon, watermelon bacon y'all yeah. had everything bacon we, we actually got a full watermelon right yes. like a like a six pound watermelon that Aiden carried it in his bag.
2: <laughs> my bag has never hurt so bad in my entire
5: life. <laughs> uh, we, got, we had two bags of potato chips. What else? Um, we had the fudge. We had
2: fudge, strawberries. Um, oh, yeah, strawberries. Tons, we had tons of Oreos. And yeah, we were passing those out like they're candy to all the hikers on the way.
0: Episode 15 clips with Rob Gasparo.
7: And I'm like, Logan, what's up, buddy? He's like, nothing. Said so Logan, "What's wrong? Nothing. Like, oh, come on, man. You know you can't you can't fool me. I know something's something's not right." Two three minutes later, Merrick gets in the car. Same thing. I'm like, guys, what is going on? And I got to drag it out of them that they today at camp they got picked on and kids were making fun of them. And Logan was the last one to get picked for one of the teams. And I just had this flashback to me being a kid. And being in a similar situation and either A, dad not caring, B, just toughen up, or C, (laughs) um, just quit. You know, if you don't like it, just quit. And like all three of those scenarios repeated over and over and over again for a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old and 11-year-old, like, just build up this incredibly unhealthy cocktail of when things get tough, quit. When things get tough, don't talk about it. When things get tough, you need to get tough. And there's like, at this point I'm thinking, okay, you know, I want to try to help them cope with this to give them like to give them tactics on how to handle these situations to defuse them. So so they don't—they're not affected by this as much. And I don't know what it was, man. I think uh, probably, probably a, a relationship that I had with a counselor uh, a handful of years ago exposed it for me. But just I made I finally made the connection. Like I—I I, I can't keep this shit inside. Like, no, nothing good. Nothing good comes from me not talking about this. There's going to be things that are uncomfortable when you talk about it. There's things that are. All these skeptical what ifs, what are they going to think about me? What am I going to expose about myself? But none of those um, are on par with the potential consequences of not talking about it.
0: Here's some clips from episode 13 with Meg Farley.
8: I was already feeling better. I was a better teacher, better girlfriend, better, just happier person in general because I was reading PD, I was listening to podcasts, I was moving. I was hydrating, I was, you know, eating whole foods. And so I started hosting accountability groups, helping other people do the same. And then about two and a half years in, I was like, okay, this is going to be my full, like, this is what I want to pursue. This is also allowing me to get outdoors more because other people are outdoors and they are sharing with me these these cool new spots in Washington that I've never heard of. And, you know, inspiring me to get outside. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about my work, Um, how I then, you know, started backpacking and hiking and getting more into the adventure coaching Uh, 2020. I um, so like I had said, my boyfriend's dad is a huge backpacker. He has gone for the last 40 some years since he was 18. And they've gone on a trip with his like high school friends. And I've always been intrigued, have asked questions. And 2020, he invited me to come. And then COVID happened, everything shut down. So we started um, training at like the golf course, we would put on our weighted packs and, you know, at each hole we would do 10 push push-ups, 20 squats, you know, whatever. It was really cool. And then, um, he ended up telling me, I, like I said, I literally knew not a lot. We're going to go, we got, um, a lottery to Mount Whitney. And I was like, nice, cool. Where's that? California. Okay. Like still had no idea. Then, you know, as it got closer, I got a little bit nervous, like, Am I ready physically, mentally? And um, so I was doing a lot of mental, you know, work and just, you know, visualizing myself there, um, succeeding. And this was going to be a four-day backpacking trip. It gets like a week out, and he shares with me that this is the highest mountain in the continental U.S. And I'm just like, my first backpacking trip, and this is where we're going. Okay, like I'm here for it. Let's do it. Well, it was great. It was a success. After that, I was like. I'm sold. I want to do more. I want to do like five backpacking trips a year.
0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's better. self care SelfCareSavage.
1: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
0: These clips are with Kelsey Sharon from episode 35.
1: It's a good feeling when people feel confident around you, because when you're having those moments where you don't necessarily feel confident in yourself, and that could be for any multitude of reasons, whether you're exhausted or something had happened or just something set you off and you just didn't feel maybe 100% on your game. In those moments, when somebody looks at you and you can see that they have trust in you and belief in you and what you're saying, and they're holding on to every word because they need support in some way, shape or form it's a powerful moment. It, it uplifts you and goes, okay, you know what? They believe in me for a reason. And I know that, you know, I told my, my group last night, we were having this call and, uh, we issue challenges every month because I like to really try to push people outside their comfort zone because that's really where growth lies. And every yes. everyone, if they've listened to your show or listened to you, they know that, right? Nothing worth doing is ever easy. and nothing Do hard worth
0: stuff. Do hard ever, stuff.
1: Ever, ever, every day, as as much as you can for 30 minutes a day at a minimum, do something difficult. Um, and and the, I don't even mean physically, I mean, movement, of course, 30 minutes, a minimum of every day, but I mean, do something difficult, learn a new language, read a book you never would have read before. Maybe one you need to use a dictionary every two seconds for Like do something hard that is hard for you. And I was saying to the group, look, um, you know, I did this bike ride yesterday and I got to kilometer 80 and I wanted to absolutely die. And it wasn't because it was the distance. It was because it was the elevation and my TBI kicked on and I had nothing left to give and I had another 40 to go. And I knew that if I stopped, I would hate myself. And I mean, I would have berated myself to the point of just into the ground. And I couldn't allow that. And I couldn't allow saying, I'm doing these things. I'm showing up at these places. I'm putting my effort in. And then just to quit, just because it got hard. So instead, I just started arguing with the voice in my head. And people must thought I was crazy. They're riding by me or going near me, and I'm just cussing myself out. We're not doing this today. No, we're not doing this today. And I got myself to the point where eventually the voice shut off, and then I finished that last 20K, and I got it through. But the point is, is these moments are the moments that make you. These are the moments that decide if you really are who you say you are. And this could be in any aspect of your life.
0: Next clip, episode 25 with Amy Moran.
9: Uh, Yeah, so I guess before, when I was a therapist, I didn't really use social media all that much um, because not only was it 10 years ago before I started writing books, but also I wanted to keep my private life private because I don't want, I lived in a very small community where I practiced and I didn't really want my private life out there for all of my therapy clients to necessarily see and hear about. I guess as my uh, author, when I started writing books and I started growing my my business as a speaker and an entrepreneur, social media became more important. And I hear a lot of people talk about all the dangers of social media. And I absolutely agree for people with pre-existing mental health issues, social media often makes the symptoms worse. But on the other hand, like for the first time in history, we have the power to have like this little computer in our pocket that has the power to allow us to connect to amazing people like you and get like free tidbits and pieces of advice. And we can be motivated and inspired by people. So it's really, I think a tool and it's all about how you use it. Unfortunately, the way it is designed, it's to keep us scrolling, right? So that you scroll when you're in line at the grocery store, or you pick up your phone when you're bored, when you're lonely. And they know, like the algorithms know how to make you stay hooked longer. I mean, it's amazing when you, and frightening when you read about it, that if social media asks you which thing are you most likely to click on, and they give you lists of it, the computer's better at knowing what you're going to click on than you are. Because they have designed it in a way that they know, hey, if I keep giving Amy like these funny cat videos, she's going to stick around for a while. But at the same time, if I give something else to Scott to make to show him about nature or something else he's interested in, like they know how to hook you in. So we just have to be more mindful of how we're using it, because otherwise it does. A lot of my therapy clients, I'd ask them, how much time do you spend on your phone? And they would say like, oh, not that much. And in the days before we had those apps that automatically got preloaded on our phones, I would encourage people to try to find out how to keep track of how much time they spent scrolling or how much time they spent on social media. And nobody ever came back and said, yeah, it's just exactly what I thought. Everybody would come back the next week and they're like, wow, I can't believe it. That And somebody might be like, well, you know, I smoke cigarettes. So every time I go out for a smoke break, I spend 10 minutes scrolling or somebody else would be like, you know, these five minutes here, five minutes there, 10 minutes in between every meeting, I just open my phone. And then how much that adds up in a day that people will spend six hours on their phone. But if you asked them, how much time do you think you spend on it? They might say like 30 minutes. <laughs> so it can make us really underestimate how much time we're spending. And if you're not really proactive and conscious about the, what you're consuming all day, it definitely affects your mental health.
0: These clips are from episode 36 with Alex Fazulo.
10: I feel like it is actually kind of on brand for me to take a massive left turn because that is how this all began in the first place. So I think maybe every nine years I have to just like get off the path I was on. because I, It's just how I am. Like I get bored is, is some of it. Um, I have so many interests. There's never like one thing that can satisfy all of them for me. I love learning new things. I'm like very erratic with that. So I think it was in a in a lot of ways, it was just time after nine years. I will say a catalyst for it though, was the hurricane in Florida a year ago. Now, uh, was just crazy in every way. I'm very lucky. I had insurance. I did not, you know, I lost a lot of my, a lot of my things. I was able to sell my house in the green. Like I'm, I'm very lucky with how it all turned out for me in that, in that way. So, um, I think that kind of, I don't know, I don't know what I would say. I think it kind of like shook me up. Um, it, you know, it was, it was scarring like in the short term, but then in the long term, I think it kind of was one of those catalysts where it made me reflect on, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to stay in Florida? Which I dis- I discovered, no, I don't. I had that like kind of discussion with myself. I'm back in upstate New York right now and I'm very I feel much better. I never really felt settled in Florida, and it it kind of just helped me like have all of these clarity moments, I guess, because it was this big catastrophic event. Went to England, went to the Isle of Man, which is crazy, and I did a lot of like soul searching. You know, like what do I want to do next? What do I care about? I, I will always care about freelance writing and teaching people about the gig economies. I think it's something that can always change people's lives, but. I kind of just had this realization that I still have more to give the world, I think. I mean, I could be wrong, but um, I was walking around those countries and I was like, no, I care I care about something bigger than just freelance writing. Uh, I've cared for a while. And, you know, like, what is itself? And I just kind of started coming into focus. It was like, okay, the planet, animals, plants, the environment. I want to be someone, like, at the front lines that is trying in whatever way I know how to, like, do something with the land. And I was just, you know, I was just kind of sitting there going, like, what? Like, what are these thoughts? I have, like, a million notebooks sitting around me just filled with just, I thought I was going nuts for a couple months. I'm like writing in notebooks, like having weird dreams. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you should just be happy with the freelance writing. And then, yes, yeah, so when I went to the UK and I saw how they treat the environment there, it like it like started getting more and more for me when I was seeing they don't use pesticides. They leave the natural uh, weed flowers in their gardens. I noticed there were way more bees, like honeybees, everywhere over there than there are here. I read a book on how bees... Uh, heal sicknesses, and maybe you know some of the widespread sicknesses in this country could be because we kill our bees. You know, like all this stuff was like, okay, this is so interesting. I have experience with real estate. What's the next logical step? Buy some land. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I've bought properties before, so I wouldn't say I'm totally stupid with buying land. And it just kind of went from there. Um, it's supposed to close this Thursday. So I haven't even been able to tinker on it is the word I keep using. And I have a million ideas for what I want to do on this land. And I think it's, I think it's going to be like my next education brand.
0: And this clip will be with Chris Hutchins, episode 34.
6: was well, definitely the kid who had the lemonade stand but also the kid who tried to build snowboard jumps in the down on the hill and tried (laughs) to figure out how to create a fake newsletter magazine to get into concerts and all kinds of stuff so there was there was elements of life hacking along the way but when i went to college in colorado so i grew up in virginia outside dc went to college in colorado i didn't even really know that you were supposed to get a job until a few months before grad like senior year I went back home for Thanksgiving and I had all these friends that were like, what are you going to do next year? And I was like, I don't know. And they're like, well, we all have jobs. And I was like, what do you mean you have jobs? We don't graduate till May. And they were like, well, the good jobs, like those companies hire people early. And I just went back and I was like, I have no idea. I had not figured out what I wanted to do. And I just frantically needed to find a job. And over the course of almost like 15 years, I tried probably 10 different things from investment banking, to management consulting, to backpacking, to uh, consulting, uh, working at startups, starting companies, being an investor. And then kind of in the middle of COVID, the theme along all that was I always loved optimizing everything and sharing that with friends at dinner and everything like that. And during COVID, I just couldn't have those dinner table conversations. And I thought, gosh, I still am trying to learn all these optimizations and all these hacks. What if I just record it, and that led to the podcast, but it was a wild journey that if you had told me I would be here, you know, any number of years ago from three to 35, I I, I would have never imagined it.
8: Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water you'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Episode
0: 32's clip is with Rob Dial.
2: And so what happened was we didn't have any money. My mom had to work three jobs when they got, um, when they got divorced. And that was, a. Uh, he, he passed away when I was 15 from being an alcoholic. He was the first person that I ever met that, that had passed away. So I didn't have any death in my life b- before then. And, um, and I remember my dad died on, uh, November 1st, 2021. And, uh, I'm sorry, 2001. And, uh, and I remember my sister's birthday was 23 days later and my mom and I and my sister went to Olive Garden for her 21st birthday on uh, November 24th. And, um, I remember my mom, I was driving, I had my permit at the time, and I was driving, we were at a stoplight, I remember exactly where we were, and my mom said, so like, what do, you, what do you guys think? It's been three weeks since your father passed away, what's your thoughts on it? And I remember, clear as day, and I, I don't know what wisdom this 15-year-old kid had, I said, I think that if dad were to understand how much good I'm going to make sure it comes from this, he'd be okay with dying. And it's been my mission since then to figure out a way to make what was the worst day of my life also the best day of my life and have some sort of good come from it. So the first thing I wanted to do, and I'm, I was always very, very shy as a kid, was I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll go speak and I'll, I'll speak at AA meetings and just tell people from a child's perspective what happens to you as a child when you have an alcoholic parent. We tried that and then we found out that the only people that can show up to an AA meeting are alcoholics. So they Mm -hmm. wouldn't even let me speak at it. So. We'd That idea. That never happened. And then four years later, what happened was um, I was very aware that there was probably some problems that, that I had inside of me because of it. So we didn't have any money to go to therapy. When I was 19 years old, I uh, started in a sales company that pushed personal development really hard, like grow, 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 grow. And uh, I hired my first one-on-one coach when I was 19, about to turn 20 years old. And I paid him $500 a month and uh, didn't have that money. I put it under a credit card, but I just wanted my life to be different. And so I paid him $500 a month and I was paying $350 for rent at the time and um, worked with him for two years on my mindset, on my sales, on my communication, all of this. And uh, in that company, they promote very quickly. And uh, through them, I I started teaching. The thing I loved most about being there was not teaching how to sell stuff, but teaching people what's going on in their mind and so I was with them for about six years. I left there. I ended up running the number one office in the company, but I was like, I got burnt out because I was just I was just not in love with it anymore. Hit the hit the top of the mountain and I was like, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I quit there. I got a couple sales jobs throughout the next five years or so. And um, the thing I missed the most though was teaching, like teaching people about themselves. That was the thing I missed the most. I remember one of my sales reps, uh, his name was Richard, came up to me and he, Richard was from the worst part of town in Fort Lauderdale where we were. And, uh, the year before he came in and became one of our, our sales reps, his father had passed away. His father was, um, was in a wheelchair and he started choking. He was by himself and ended up choking and, and dying from it. And he told me one day and it was like one of the most life changing moments of my life. He said, where I come from, we don't have role models. And since my father passed away, you're the only thing that's been a role model to me in the past year since he passed away. I was 23 at the time and Richard was 20. And so to have someone three years younger than me tell me that I was his role model and had stepped in that position was like really eye opening and life changing for me. Next clip
0: is with Jonathan Ballesteros, episode 26.
11: Imagine living in the back of a van um, had its ups and downs. And one of the downsides was, you know, after trail running or after being out in the water spearfishing and you know, I'd come back into my van with a bunch of sweat grime that would get in my bed sleeping bag. And that always resulted no matter what the temperature was a sticky cold nights to sleep because it was just, I was never clean. And, um, you know, I think depression is actually what I've learned in that journey after not showering for a couple of weeks is that, you know, depression actually has a certain smell, I actually had the same kind of uh, off putting smell that most people living or begging in the corner of the streets had. And I can't really explain further than that. But like, um, I was just not showering, I was just not taking care of myself. And Part of it was because I was so down. But another part of it was because, you know, I just didn't have enough water. You know, I always had to have enough water to cook, to clean my dishes. But when it came to cleaning myself, there was just not a way to shower, you know? Um, And so the problem got really bad one morning when I was set up on this blind date. (laughs) And uh, on the morning of that blind date, all I had was like, a tiny water bottle left of water and I had a towel and you can imagine I poured it in the towel and wiped, wiped myself off and I still smelled horrible. or horrible. I mean, it was just like weeks of sweating and grime. And it was just like, it was just like, no, this is not, this is, I, I smell like a burning dumpster. I keep saying that. I'll keep saying it again because that's exactly what I smelled like. And so that blind date didn't turn out so well as one could imagine, but But, uh, that morning when I was preparing for it, I was like, you know, I'm sick and tired of running out of water all the time. I need to find a way to make the most of every drop of water in this rig. And that caused me to pause because I was like, well, if I had the answer to that question, how do my, how do I make the most of every drop of water? That answer could probably change the world i mean let's face it we got 2.3 billion people who are dealing in extreme water stress situations they don't have free access to water and uh and so with all my heart all my might and all my soul i just went after a chase chase the answer to that question and so when i was in that shed uh, on that farm ken's shed i um i just i was possessed I would wake up in the middle of the night, just run out of the couch, just like, well, maybe if I did this or maybe if I did that. And six months and six rounds of prototyping later, um, I came and finally achieved uh, an answer to that question that was quite remarkable. The first four rounds of prototyping, by the way, were just so bad that I just like wiped the table clean and. Just said i have to find another way This all of this sucks um what i meant by that was like i was using a foot pump to create an air pressurized like dry bag or air pressurized container and that container or dry bag would just pop every time because i would pump it up too much and so i was like this this sucks so so yeah and um i introduced it to the troop carriers of australia I made a cheesy video and out of nowhere, 160 guys, girls were spotted and that was like, whoa.
0: We have a clip from episode 19 with Maria Scrivan.
3: I actually started writing vignettes from childhood around 2013. The book, the whole book started in 2018. So it was five years previous. And at that point, I thought it was gonna be a prose book with spot illustrations. I saw a graphic novelist speak, I think it was 2017. I was like, oh, of course, this has to be a graphic novel. I've always, my dream as a child was to be a cartoonist. I am so grateful that I get to live my dream. I'm a very visual person. And I know one thing I love about graphic novels is there's a whole other layer of empathy because you get to see the expressions of everybody in the scene. You don't just hear about what the main character is doing or maybe the secondary character. You have a whole scenes. So for me, it was the perfect recipe. And it's funny, I think I really ended up writing these books for my own personal healing. And although Nat was based on my childhood self and childhood experiences, she became one of my greatest teachers. And this idea that resonates through the book of being more of who you are, focusing on who you are instead of who you aren't, I learned so much from her and this idea of surrounding yourself with people that lift you up and actually, it's funny. She, in the first book, she loses her best friend. Same thing happened to me. Yep. And, um, she makes new friends. Lily. And I was just Lily was it.
0: the best friend.
3: Lily. I, yeah, yeah. Lily was the ex, her ex best friend of me. Then she finds Zoe. And I should mention that there, Lily is an amalgam of characters and Zoe is. So I'm not throwing any specific person under the bus. But I went to a concert the other day with my, the, basically the friend that stepped in my life after Lily. And we've been friends for decades. So it's kind of like kids need to realize like the people who are important, stick around the right people come in and the people who are going to put you down or be your bully. You don't want them in your life anyway. And you say the same thing in your message. It's I mean, that's Mm -hmm. why I was drawn to your messages, because I was like, we're saying the same thing, just just generationally a little different. But your message is for everyone as well. I hope kids hear your messages. It's really important. I wish I knew that when I was a kid.
0: Okay, guys, hope you enjoyed that episode, and we are so looking forward to 2024, and we've got some great guests coming up, and uh, the first episode will be on January 9th, uh, 2024. We'll see y'all next year. Thank you for listening, and I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.